the Bible has more verses on money and possessions than any other topic? Actually, over 2,300. There is a deep connection between how we think, treat, and deal with money to our own spiritual lives. 2300 Reasons Why is a podcast designed to be a biblical pursuit of money so that we have a better understanding of how it can be used to make a bigger kingdom impact. Join Austin Tomes, Wealth Advisor and Certified Financial Planner at Passage Wealth as he explores various topics and scripture verses as it relates to biblical financial truth. Listen as Austin interviews pastors, professors, authors, business owners, and more as they share a deeper understanding of God's Word and their personal experiences when it comes to money. He will also provide financial tips, insights, and education as it relates to assisting you on your financial journey. And remember, if Jesus spoke and taught on money so much, so should we. Hello, everyone. Wherever you are, however you're listening, thank you for making 2300 Reasons Why a part of your routine. I'm your host, Austin Tomes, Wealth Advisor and Certified Financial Planner at Passage Wealth. And today is an exciting day. It's a little bit different. I actually have two guests that will be joining me today, and I'll introduce them here in a bit. And it's actually going to be a two-part series. So as you've been listening to the episodes that are already launched, you can tell right there that it's a little bit different than our normal flow. But Really excited to dive into some great content today, some scripture, and get a chance to interview these guys here, Mike and Brian, who I'll introduce here in a little bit. But the first thing I wanted to do is whenever I feel prompted to, wanted to share something with you listeners. And today, as I'm reading through the Bible, I'm in Deuteronomy, and in the 11th chapter, the 22nd verse really stuck out to me this morning. And this is when Moses has been told by God that he's not going into the promised land He's appointed Joshua, and he's recapping to the Israelites everything that's happened as they're getting ready to go in to the promised land. And in verse 22 here of chapter 11, it says, For if you will be careful to do all this commandment that I command you to do, loving the Lord your God, walking in all his ways, and holding fast to him. And that, again, that verse just stuck out to me as we are on this journey together of this podcast of looking at scripture when it comes to money, wealth, and possessions or even just in our everyday life, I felt like this verse was super applicable. On this podcast, we often talk about our hearts. We often talk about the kingdom way versus the world way. We talk about the spirit versus the flesh. And to me, this was just another great example of even all the way back in the early days, loving the Lord your God, walking in all his ways and holding fast to him. And when we get bombarded by the fast-pacedness of our culture, social media, comparing ourselves with others, to me, that's just another great reminder there of what this is all about and really what life should be as well. But anyways, as I mentioned before, we're going to dive right in because we do have a lot of content to get to. And I'm excited to introduce Mike Stetzel and Brian Stein. Brian and Mike are with Full Strength Network and I've just been very blessed to get to know them both personally and uh, trusted colleagues here over the last couple of years. I'm not sure they feel the same way, but we're going to roll with it anyways. Brian and Mike, thanks for being on today. Thank you. Yeah, good to be here. So why don't you guys just take some time to share who you are? You guys have both had a unique journey of making career changes here in the last couple of years that led you into ministry. So yeah, share about who you are, your background, your story, and where you are now. Yeah, thanks, Austin. It's been fun because Mike and I have been on this journey together, changing the trajectory of our career together. So even before we ever came on board at Full Strength Network, we had many conversations leading up to where we are now. It's been fun to see just God's hand in all of those conversations. I used to work for the Indiana Pacers. So I had a pastor a couple months ago. He said, you went from Pacers to pastors. I said, 
I'm going with that from now on and, <laughs> and we'll stick with and it. And it's in the notes. Yeah, it's in the notes. But I've just had a real burden in my heart for pastors and ministry leaders for a really long time. I've always asked the question, who ministers to the minister at the end of the day? And um, I've had some friends and family who have been pastors, really once a pastor, always a pastor, but lots of different friends who aren't necessarily shepherding a church or a local church congregation anymore. And I've just walked with them through some different burdens and different things that, that they've gone through in their lives. And it's just really caused me to want to help pastors. And when I found out about Full Strength Network, I fell in love with the organization because that's what they do. They believe healthy pastors lead healthy churches, and healthy churches change the world. So when I found out about the vision and the mission of Full Strength Network, and God opened a door for me to transition from basketball to helping pastors, it was a really exciting opportunity for me. As Brian said, it's been fun to go through his journey with him, because when he was Making a career change, we had lunch several times and he said, hey, here's a couple of different options. And I really pushed him towards full strength. So it's ironic that now I am here and went through the same thing about a year after he did. But for me, the career's really been fundraising primarily through some different organizations. But the first 10 years was more through uh, like the American Heart Association, some more of those types of things. The second 10 was more in ministry, so Youth for Christ. And then I was with National Christian Foundation for a few years too, which was a little different, but at the end of the day, it's still talking to people about money. And I'm the VP of donor development for Full Strength Network. That sounds fancy. What it means is the fundraising arm of what we do. We're able to offer incredibly affordable counseling and coaching for pastors and church staff all across the country. And one of the major reasons we can do that is because uh, generous donors are willing to fund or scholarship part of that, if you will. So my my role really is to go out and extend that opportunity to people so they can help pastors be healthier, as Brian was talking about. So I am the weird guy who loves fundraising. Most people that you talk to, 99 out of 100 will say, oh, I hate asking people for money. It's terrible. I've always enjoyed connecting what is really God's money, right, that he's entrusted us with to great causes. There, there's just something about presenting an opportunity for somebody to be generous that I've always enjoyed. So for more than 20 years now, that's what I've done, and it's the role that I serve in for Full Strength. So you guys shared about your roles and a high level of Full Strength Network. Like Brian, you said, who's ministering to the ministers, and you need healthy pastors to have healthy churches to change the world. Can you guys dive into a little bit more for me, whether it's pastors that are listening or people that want to know more about Full Strength Network or get involved or support? What exactly are you guys doing? Yeah, great question. We do a lot of different programming, and we try to be proactive with those programs. Coaching and counseling is probably what we're best known for, or a pastor, or a ministry leader, or even their family. One thing I love about what we do is we support the pastor's spouse or their kids as well. But if they need counseling for any number of things that they're going through in life, we have professional counselors all across the country that can help them. And we pay for their sessions from the dollars that Mike helps raise from the generous donors. Coaching is a great opportunity for them just to get some practical ideas for how to do ministry in their church. We do peer huddle groups where they don't have to be in isolation. They can be together and talk about different things that they're going through. We have an app that helps them track their well-being over time. Respite care locations where they can get away from the busyness of pastoring a church. We have financial coaching that they can get help on their own personal finances. 
So there's a lot of things that they can get access to, and, and the goal is to be proactive in helping them live and lead at full strength. This episode here is, as I mentioned, a little bit different, not only because we have two guests, but this first episode really wanted to focus on the why a little bit more. So in each episode, we're looking at a verse and we're trying to better understand that verse of scripture and apply it to our lives when it comes to money, wealth, and possessions and encouraging one another, supporting one another in that way. But as we've talked about, there's more verses on money than any other topic, and it's been talked about and preached on more in the Bible. But that doesn't necessarily translate to society, in the church, And so that's part of the reason why I wanted to have these two on is not so that people can learn more about Full Strength Network, which we'll have in the show notes there, a website and different information there for you to learn more about it. But that's kind of where we wanted to focus on this first episode here of this part one of this uh, two-part series here. So Brian and Mike, a general question, and I know you guys each had some different bullet points beneath it, but why do you think overall churches, church staff struggle when it comes to talking about money. So I think there's quite a few things, but money's a difficult topic for anyone, no matter what role they serve or what we're talking about personally, professionally. I think especially for churches though, because it feels like they're asking all the time. I can relate to this somewhat because I feel like I'm asking all the time, right? I want to form great relationships with people, but at the end of the day, we need to ask. And the church needs our funds to continue to do the work that they do. In any typical church, they might ask every other week, right? So it might be a building campaign, they're expanding, the youth group's going somewhere. You know, it's just, it's a constant, we're asking all the time thing. And I think that puts a difficult pressure on pastors or church staff. There's a lot of difficult topics I think that churches talk about as they should. Money still seems to be one of the most difficult though. And it just feels a little bit different, I think in part because of what I would say is the my money syndrome. It's my money. I've worked hard for it. I deserve it. I should be able to spend it however I want. And I think even in the church, too many times we view it that way. It's mine. It's not really God's that he gave me for a very short period of time, really. I think it's just, there's something about our money. And when people talk about our money or want our money or whatever that is, that it kind of puts the hair on the back of our neck up, you know, of like, no, but this is mine. It's my money type of a thing. I also think that there hasn't been a lot of training for pastors and church staff around how to discuss money, either from a biblical perspective, which is always how they should be putting this out there, but also just from a fundraising perspective, right? Fundraising is an art in and of itself. And if I'm your pastor and you've entrusted me with some very deep life things and tough issues and stuff, And then I come back to fundraise from you because let's be honest, that's really what they're doing in certain cases. They'd have never been trained of how to do that and what that looks like and what it should sound like. That's a lot of stuff to pile on somebody. You could relate that also to most pastors haven't been trained in a whole lot of things that they're supposed to do. They have to wear all these different hats all the time. And and talking about money and fundraising, I think, is one of the hardest things that they have to do. I would add that the reality of the situation is pastors, ministry leaders in general, often don't make a lot of money. I was just at a lunch yesterday. Ron Blue was speaking at the lunch, and he pointed out a scenario in which you have the pastor in the pulpit who isn't making a lot of money, and he looks out into his congregation, and there's the CEO sitting in the congregation who does make a lot of money. The pastor thinks, there's nothing that I can provide to that person around finances, so why would I ever talk about it anyway? And so there's an inherent thought in the pastor that if I'm 
financially unhealthy or if I don't make a lot of money, then I don't have a whole lot to bring to this, which we all know that it's not the pastor's thoughts. It's what God's word says that we need to be talking about. But I also think that money is, at the end of the day, it's a stumbling block. And a stumbling block leads to sin. And sometimes it's hard to talk about things that lead to sin. And that's a topic that the church doesn't necessarily like to address head on all the time. And so there's a lot of pressure, especially pastors feel like sometimes, man, my congregation's going to perceive me as being a money grabber and just trying to stuff our coffers. And like Mike said, just build the next building. And so there's just a lot of pressure for pastors as they think about that, both individually and as an organization, as a church. Yeah, it's interesting. I wonder if comparison has anything to do with it, too. Mike, you were talking about people just don't like to talk about it, and it's me, mine. This is what I've been given, but it's it's just one of those things where it's, it's just not talked about, and it's a culture thing, and I just wonder if that's part of it, too, is there's just, I don't have as much as this person when you don't really know for sure, and it's just that part of it. But then I think to your guys' other point is how we equip our pastors, our leaders, to be talking about feeling knowledgeable on the topic because they go to the seminary and there's two things at the seminary that aren't, and this is not just my assumption, this is coming from people that have been there, done that. It's counseling and it's talking about finances. And those are probably two of the biggest things that pastors are doing. They're in charge of sometimes a million dollar plus budget and don't always feel equipped for that. So I can see where some of those insecurities would come into play there and why that is a challenge. So as we pivot then, what are things that you think the church can be doing to better support this situation. You know, I think, you know, whether people are listening of, hey, I'm a trustee at the church, I'm a deacon of stewardship, I'm an elder. How do we start bridging that gap between the pastors and the congregation when it comes to increasing awareness when it comes to this topic? Yeah, I think that first is just to be more open and honest about what we're called to do with his money, capital H, right? Not our money. The more that we talk about it, I think like anything, you can take over the last few years, a lot of the really controversial or hot topics that have gone on in our country, the more we talk about it, the easier it gets, right? At first, it feels weird and maybe a little taboo and what have you. But after a while, when you get into more and more of those conversations, it feels better to talk about those things. I think just continually going back, as Brian said earlier, if we ever have questions, just go back to the word and what it says. I think that would be a the best place to start. But it's just to continue to be more honest about what we are called to do with his money, as opposed to what we think we should do with our money. Those are two very different things. I think providing different training opportunities, whether that be classes or seminars or speakers, courses. I mean, there's a whole lot of different things that could be somebody like yourself and with what you do with people every day to help with their finances going into a church setting Uh, and bringing expertise in. So just different opportunities for people to learn. Maybe part of the reason that there's struggles, they just don't know. Well, so then let's teach them, right? Providing consistent opportunities for people to be generous. I am a huge believer in generosity and what it can do for us, for the joy that we have in life, for our souls, if you will, right? But just when we're able to be generous, it opens different doors for us. God talks about generosity all over in the Bible. And it's all good stuff. It's, there's nothing in there that says, oh, maybe you shouldn't give away as much money. Yeah. So I think if the church can provide opportunities for people to be generous and experience the joy of giving and generosity and 
letting go of their money, opening their fists up just enough that some money can get out of there. Those could be the typical things of missions trips and buildings and those kind of things. But I would advise them to look for greater opportunities for the people sitting out in the pews every Sunday. Uh, It's one thing to say, hey, go do this. It's another thing to say, hey, we think you should go do this. So does God. And here's the ways that you can go do this, the tangible ways you can start doing this tomorrow. I think it's important for pastors and churches first to set the agenda. The why is just as important as the what. So in setting the agenda, you're clear about why you're talking about money. This isn't to help us build a bigger building or stuff our coffers. This is to help you understand what it means to be a disciple of Christ. And then follow the example being Christ. Be clear about what the point is. So you are no longer the object of your affection. This isn't about money. It's about your pride. Christ should be the object of your affection. And so this plays out in every facet of your life, including your finances. So I think when you set the agenda and clearly communicate why you're talking about money in the church, it really helps you point to the what and how to do that in your finances. There's some great financial organizations that help churches with this in particular. Compass comes to mind. Christian Stewardship Network comes to mind. And they have just great resources for being able to help pastors and churches think through how to set up a really good, really solid biblical model of a financial stewardship program that really helps you become a better follower of Christ. It's not about trying to get out of debt. It's about really seeing who is the owner of this money that I've been entrusted to. And there's some great follow-up with that. So those are great resources for churches to look into. You guys mentioned you setting the agenda. Brian, you said that, Mike, you were talking about educating and I think that's so true. It's the more you talk about things, the more educated you become, which can then lead to change and making it more comfortable to, I think, have those conversations. I think another thing that often plagues this discussion is a lot of times a pastor or the elders or something will talk about money a couple times a year. At our church, we just gave a financial update. It almost doesn't happen enough to the point where when it does happen, it almost feels even more awkward at times because it it can already be an uncomfortable topic. So the natural thing is like avoid it at all costs so that when it does happen, it is probably going to be awkward. But to your point, if there's systems in place, if there's education, training, agendas, like you said, following the example of Christ, creating financial discipleship opportunities, that's really all you can do is to keep moving that forward in a positive direction. Any other thoughts when it comes to... The, the church and uh, this topic. I'll uh, try to draw this along with what I do. So there are times when I go into meetings and talking about fundraising for full strength. And I know that these are people that get asked all the time for many nonprofits and ministries. One of the things that I do is put the objection on the table first or let them know that I understand how many people are coming after them for fun. I think if it's a pastor who struggles to talk about this, why not say that openly with your congregation? Why not say something like, I struggle to talk about this. It's uncomfortable for me. It may be uncomfortable for all of you. However, God has called us to talk about this, right? And can reference a lot of the things that you talk about in in all of these different episodes that you do. So I think maybe them just being a little bit more open and honest about 
hey, this is a difficult topic and difficult conversation. It's tough for me too. I think that would put at ease maybe Takes some people. Pressure off, yeah. It does, right? It's if you know the elephants in the room, you're both staring at it. Why does no one talk about it? Why are you staring so, at me, Mike? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I think that would be another thing is just be open and honest with how you're feeling about it. I find when I do that in the world of fundraising, it, again, it's different, but there are a lot of similarities that it does ease some of the tension and the pressure in the room. Uh, so maybe that's something that some folks could try. Additionally, I think it's put your money where your mouth is, right? So one of the other things I'll do with people a lot of times is tell them exactly how I give to full strength and how much my wife and I give to full strength. If I'm going to be out talking about and asking people to do it, I should be doing the very same thing. If you're struggling as a pastor financially, it's probably going to be hard for you to talk about finances, right? The do what you're talking about or get your own house in order type of a thing. Be open and honest with that as well. And I think both of those could be helpful first steps for people. And I think that's a Another great example of why Full Strength Network exists, because you have pastors and leaders that, like I said before, have comparison issues, have insecurity issues, who don't feel equipped to be having those conversations and leading that charge. And so having the resources to become more educated, more aware. And then finally, I think earlier, not this last thing you just said, Mike, but before you were talking about the more people are educated, this becomes more natural, but also leads to generosity and being more generous with what we have been blessed with. And I know you guys have both seen that not only in your time with National Christian Foundation, but what you guys are going through right now with Full Strength Network. And for most nonprofits, it's, are we breaking even? Are we able to maintain? I know in talking with you guys over the last couple of months, your guys' situation is almost opposite where you have so much generosity and so much outpouring and with such a big need. That's the biggest thing is you guys have been able to find generous people to help your cause because you guys have a tremendous amount of need from pastors and church staff and leadership. Generosity ultimately becomes a big part of that. Let's take a quick break from the interview for today's financial topic. A couple of episodes ago, I talked about trust and estate planning and making sure that ducks are in a row when it comes to your estate planning and maybe the need for a trust in certain situations. I did mention that I think at times trusts are overused, but there are times when it comes to your estate planning that a trust can be an important piece to it. And I wanted to share an example of Someone that I recently met with, we were reviewing beneficiaries and we talked a little bit more in detail about the way they were. And it comes out that the son is disabled and as a result of that would probably need assistance both from others and government assistance for the rest of his life. Well, on the beneficiaries, it listed him getting assets directly on one account And then the other two accounts, and we've actually seen this a little bit more recently with the other sibling getting the full asset with the assumption from the parents that sibling will take care of the other sibling or let's give it all to this one, even though half of it or whatever the percentage is for the other one. That can be a slippery slope because nothing's in writing, nothing is concrete in terms of that happening, even though that's what they want. And that's the first thing that we wanted to talk about was that doesn't always play out. Life comes up, things change, relationships change, and you just don't know what could possibly happen. And so getting things lined up exactly how you want it. Second of all, the son had 
an account listed directly in his name. And when it comes to being disabled and getting government assistance, there's a very small income limit that you can have and assets that you can have directly in your name that could count against the government assistance. And so ended up talking with that client about trust for the son, not necessarily the other sibling, but for the son when it comes to his portion of the assets flowing through the trust. The other sibling then doesn't have the pressure of some of these funds are for him and different things like that. The other sibling can act as the trustee on the trust and all of the assets for the son flow into the trust and don't impact his income and don't impact his government assistance situation. And the trust can outline exactly what he's able to use the funds for in order to prevent those other events getting mixed up or messed up and impacting his situation. So again, I can't reiterate enough in the retirement planning process, focus on the estate planning, have a will in place, have your power of attorneys, have your healthcare advocate, and then really do due diligence if a trust is needed or not. As we segue here into the last part of this first episode, I do want to take the time to talk about Averse because that is the focus of each episode. And for someone that's maybe listening for the first time, we're going to dive in here to Mark chapter 4, 18 to 20. I don't think Mike was there, but Brian and I actually went to this Christian Stewardship Network conference. I don't know, Mike, were you there? Where were you, Mike? Yeah. Probably somewhere Playing across hooky. the country, asking people for money for yeah, full probably. strength. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, It's been a little while, but we got this booklet of discipleship, stewardship training. And one of the pages focused on Mark 4, 18 to 20, and it was titled The Seed. And just talking about Jesus' parable there about the seed falling on the thorns and the hard soil and the good soil and all that stuff. And I've been wanting to have this conversation with a guest, and I usually let the guests choose what verse they want to do. And with this being part one, I thought this would be an appropriate time to tell you guys what we're going to talk about rather than (laughs) (laughs) rather than what you guys choose or decide. I'll go ahead and read it here and we'll dive in from Mark chapter four, 18 to 20. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things center in and choke the word and it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. And I think the thing that stuck out to me there was the deceitfulness of riches, the desires for other things, and the cares of the world. Those three things, I think even at the conference there, they said, I can't remember who they were having the conversation with, but like they said, two and a half of those three directly relate to money. I think we could probably make the argument that three of them (laughs) do. I never really put together, maybe leaving some room for error or something like that, but really thinking that all three of those really impact our relationship with money, which ultimately impacts our relationship with God and others. And so what are some of your guys' thoughts as we dive into that scripture verse here? Yeah, because we attended the same conference, Austin, and the very first thought you had was, yeah, all three of those worries, deceitfulness, and desires all can relate directly to money. But it's clear in this passage, when you're throwing seed among thorns and there's weeds growing around it, if you're trying to grow grass or flowers and anything like that, if it's overridden by weeds, they don't get the proper amount of sunlight or water or any of the essential nutrition to grow effectively, right? So spiritually speaking, the thorns and the weeds here, the distractions of this world, choke out the essential nutrition of the word in our lives. And so 
Too much focus on things of this world causes you to lose focus on the one whom the word points to, and that's Christ. And this is why Satan stops at nothing to use anything to distract you from Christ, whether that's worries, riches, coveting. It's the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. This is why Jesus talks so much about stumbling blocks, what I referenced before, that can keep you from focusing on him. So just to put this back in perspective with this verse in particular, he spoke specifically about the worries of the world. He said, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Speaking of riches, Jesus says to his disciples, truly I say to you, it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And in other desires or when you're coveting other things, Jesus says, truly I say to you, you seek me not because you saw signs, but because you ate the loaves and were filled. Do not work for the food which perishes, but for food which endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him the Father, God, has set his seal. And that was addressed to the 5,000 after Jesus fed them, and they wanted to come back the next day, and they just wanted more food. And so they had other desires other than Jesus. And so anything that can cause a strain in your relationship to Christ— the thorns, the weeds, those things are a stumbling block that keeps you from Christ. And money certainly can be one of those stumbling blocks as well, but money certainly is tied in with worry, riches, and other desires. And the focus needs to be on Christ at the end of the day. I don't know if I should answer now. That was really good. <laughs> that was really good. Yeah. Brought the thunder there. God's word. I have no rebuttal. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Continue on. No, I, so a, a couple of things, I guess, to add on to that real quickly. So I think anytime that Jesus says deceitfulness of anything, we probably should pay pretty close attention. And here he says deceitfulness of wealth, right? So wealth inherently is not a bad thing, but it's how you use it and how you look at it. And if you break this apart a little bit more, meaning wealth gives us a false impression or a dishonest view of what we think it's going to do for us, right? He then says this will choke the word, making it unfruitful. So if we put all that together, the false impression or dishonest view that wealth gives us will stop the word from being fruitful in our lives. Anytime anything is going to stop the word from being fruitful in our lives, we should probably run from that really quickly. So I think it's one of those in the Bible where when you hear it, you really should stop. You really should think through how you're doing things and either keep going the same way or turn very quickly. Those to me are one of those big warning things that Jesus gives us every once in a while in the Bible of you really need to pay close attention, right? If it could be in bold letters, I'm sure it probably would. Maybe he said it that way. So I just look at it as if as Brian has said, is if this is a potential stumbling block for me, for you, for anybody listening, that wealth is the driver of everything for you. And he's telling us it could get between us and the word being fruitful. We should really take pause and think about what we're doing in this area. We don't want to get to the end. And this is something that stands in our way of what we were hoping for eternity. And I think he's saying here, hey, this could be a big hang up for you guys. So you probably should pay attention and probably should do something about it. It's an interesting thought there of 
stopping versus running. Stop to hear it, but run when it's not a good situation because we're getting off track there. And it's interesting that in both situations, you hear the word, you hear the word, and then one is going down this path of choking out the word because of the worries of life, deceitfulness of wealth, desires for other things. And then on the opposite side, it's the opportunity to accept the word. And I know we make this comparison a lot. I even opened with it, but whether it's the spirit versus the flesh, it's the kingdom way versus the world way, there's really no difference here. It's accepting the word or letting the word be choked out of you. So I really liked that analogy about the running versus stopping. And then even going back to Brian's thoughts there, these stu- and you guys both talked about these stumbling blocks. Whether it's money or not, I think in life, we're always going to have these stumbling blocks that get in the way, whether it's money and wealth, possessions, it's our relationships, it's our relationship with God, our faith walk, it's our relationships at work, it's our health, it's our quality of time, how we're prioritizing our time. And, you know, if I'm honest, I feel like I'm in that space right now where I've made, and I was just talking to my wife about this the other day. When I think of stumbling blocks and I think of choking on the word being choked out of you, that's the devil right there seeking kill and destroy. And to be that enemy that doesn't want us to have a foothold, we don't want him to have a foothold, but it's just constantly on the prowl. And I've been feeling that in my life as trying to make some positive changes in different areas. It's almost like when you go and make those changes, you feel it even more (laughs) at times. And so... Again, just talking to my wife about that the other night where it's, man, I feel like I should be in a better spot than I am right now in whatever the situation might be. But I think that's not only God working in that situation, but also the devil still wanting a foothold in that particular situation. And that wraps up our first episode here as part one with Brian Stein and Mike Stetzel from Full Strength Network. And we'll look forward to picking it back up with them here on the next episode. Thrivent Advisor Network and its advisory persons do not provide legal, accounting, or tax advice. Consult your attorney or tax professional. Representatives have general knowledge of the Social Security tenants. For complete details on your situation, contact the Social Security Administration. Investment advisory services offered through Thrivent Advisor Network, LLC, a registered investment advisor and a subsidiary of Thrivent. Advisory persons of Thrivent provide advisory services under a doing business as name or may have their own legal business entities. However, advisory services are engaged exclusively through Thrivent Advisor Network, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Passage Wealth and Thrivent Advisor Network, LLC are not affiliated companies. Information in this message is for the intended recipients only please visit our website at www.passage-wealth.com for important disclosures. 2300 Reasons Why.